0: Well today we're uh, continuing on our study in the parables and we want to look at a parable of the weeds in Matthew Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30 and then explain later. But I'm going to read for us now Matthew 13 verses 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I would tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So may Jesus give us insight into his word today as we look at the word of God. What do you get excited for? What kind of things are you excited about? About, you know, what you can't wait for? What happens to all of us, but especially kids, when they're waiting for something. I know when my son was young and he was having friends over, he would, it's getting near the time, like 30, 20 minutes before, he would sit on the stairs right in front of the front door and go, when are they going to get here? When are they going to get here? It was such a dramatic thing. It's like, okay, they'll be here in 15, 20 minutes. Oh, I can't wait, Dad. (laughs) You know, they can hardly contain themselves. Half an hour seems like forever to a child who's waiting. Well, let's be honest M- most of us don't like to wait as adults either we have built a society that doesn't want to wait we have a whole category called fast food don't we because we don't want to wait we want to get it right away but there are other side of things where we do wait everyone's waited at a line in the airport getting through security waiting for a gate having a plane delayed or canceled and you know even in that setting what can happen to waiting? Does everybody wait patiently and kindly? No, not everybody. We don't like to wait. We think of speed and efficiency and we value them in our culture, but sometimes we need to wait. I've heard of this service where you file your income tax return and there's services where you don't have to wait two or three weeks for a return. They'll give you a loan for the money right now for a fee. It's like, really, you can't wait a couple weeks? But we don't want to wait. We want it right now. We can appreciate the briskness of getting it now, but we have to realize the greatest of all virtues isn't the fact that we never have to wait. Patience is a virtue. Waiting. There's good things that can come out of waiting, even if we don't like to, lo- like to do it all the time. Because we live in a world which we all know is a mess. There's trouble, there's trial, there's difficulty. Not everything happens at the time frame that we want it to happen. Patience is a virtue. In fact, doesn't the scripture say patience is a fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of the Holy Spirit? In other words, when the Holy Spirit enters our life, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in us is to teach us patience. Think about that. Not that we can't be efficient, but patience is a virtue. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Because we live in a world which requires patience at times because there's delays, there's challenges. Jesus, in his parables, touches on this whole idea of waiting, of, in fact, of delay, saying that patience is required as he speaks of the kingdom, as he tells us stories of the kingdom in his parables. He wants us to realize. There in these stories that talk about the king, King Jesus, and the kingdom that he's bringing, the kingdom of God. He as king brings this. And he speaks in parables so that we would understand characteristics, ways of the kingdom of God. And that as he speaks of it, he exposes the resistance of those who are faithless, who are are not followers, while he builds up the faithful, those who trust in God, who follow him. As only a master teacher could in an amazing way, Jesus teaches us that here, patience is something that we need to learn, that, that waiting is part of waiting for his kingdom. Because these parables of his kingdom are true, but there's also a part of its delay. For it's, here he talks about his kingdom's appearing and its delay. For one day the kingdom's grace has come, and it's come in part, but its fullness still is in the future, and teaching us that part of Christian living, kingdom living in Jesus Christ, is waiting for God's work, because we live righteous lives. We are to live righteous lives, as the song says, our righteousness. Our righteousness, in other words, we live in faith, following, trusting in God, but trusting in him, our God, to bring about what we need. So Jesus addresses that in this parable this parable of jesus the parable of the weeds first we want to look at sowing seeds sowing seeds jesus tells us a story another story about the kingdom many of these parables are stories about the kingdom of god in fact here in matthew 13 there are full seven parables about the kingdom the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god seven parables are in this just one chapter already there's been the parable of the soils about receptivity to the kingdom, considering how people's hearts are open to receiving what God wants to do. But here, Matthew directs our attention to the seeds. And interesting enough, in between the seed story and its explanation are a couple other parables. So Matthew has broken out this sto- the parable and the Jesus' explanation with other parables in between. And what we find here, the kingdom of God, all of the promises to Israel will come true. But not in your timing, not in my timing, but in God's timing. And in that righteousness, that those who walk in rightly, following God by faith, living in his ways, being obedient to the words of God, will be rewarded. But also he's saying evil will be judged. And all that is wrong and evil, both in corporately, in the larger sense, institutionalized, or individually in people will be judged. God will reign not only in power, but his physical reign, his perfection, will come true as well. For the King, the Messiah, the Son of God, will reign. And he reigns, meaning his kingdom will exist in fullness. That kingdom which is everlasting, all-encompassing in his reach, all the nations and peoples who will live under it, this kingdom which every faithful Jew was longing for is now being revealed by the King Jesus." And he wants us to understand how his kingdom works. This is the first generation of people have seen the kingdom. Jesus inaugurated, began the kingdom. How is this going to work? And Jesus wants us, that first generation, and us as well, to understand. And what we find is the kingdom is a now and not yet. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field that this farmer went out and sowed the good seed. And using, as we said, things of this world, items that the people are, are familiar with to help us understand kingdom issues. So we have a, a farmer who's sowing seeds. This time of year, we, we've probably done a lot of that in the last weeks, getting seeds, getting plants out, seeing if things can grow, and uh, seeing the results of, of what comes. The farmer is doing the good work of getting seed in the ground with the expectation of what? When you plant seeds, what do you expect? You expect plants, harvest, or flowers, whatever the specifics are of what you're planting, that's what you expect. But what happens here is we have this kingdom planting, but under the cover of darkness, there is working against the farmer his enemy, who unbeknownst to the owner, sowed bad seed in the good field with the good seeds. And so what happens? We find that the kingdom of God, as you said, the now and not yet part. So the farmer sows the seeds, and the wheat starts growing up. Boy, it looks good. But what happens after a while, all of a sudden that good field of wheat doesn't look so good. Maybe it looks a little bit like your yard or your garden. I don't know about yours, but my backyard kind of looks a lot like that. I don't know what happened. I try, but sometimes it's like, where do all these weeds come from? But in this farmer's case, what happens is someone sowed the bad seed his enemy. So the wheat and the weeds are growing together in the farmer's field. And the workers for the farmer go to him, and they're alarmed by what happens. And as they talk to their boss about this development, unsure how it took place, they know they planted good seed, it wasn't them. They had messed up. But the farmer figures out what happened. It was my enemy, the one who opposed me, who against me. It could only be him. And so they ask him, what should we do, the workers wondered. Should we boot up, pull up the weeds? And the farmer understood the situation at hand. But he takes an unusual course of action. Who grew, up, who grew up on a farm where you spent a lot of time weeding? I bet a bunch of you did, Right? Right? How would it have gone if you'd have said, nah, let's let the weeds grow with the good crops? That probably wouldn't have gone over very well in your household, right? But Jesus says here, the farmer, speaking for the farmer, says, let the weeds grow up with the good seed, the weed. Well, this isn't a typical farming technique, is it? Why is that? Because the weeds crush in and take nutrients and sunlight away from the good crop and it causes problems for the good crop. The standard farming practice, get rid of weeds. So Jesus has a different twist to this story, prompting some commentators to say, Jesus was a better carpenter than he was a farmer. (laughs) The reason here expressed is the farmer is concerned that if you pull up the weeds, it's going to negatively impact the wheat, the good crop. And he doesn't want that to happen. So he says, the purpose of the harvest, Jesus says for the farmer, the purpose of the harvest is to protect the harvest. The purpose here, protect the harvest so the harvest can come to fruition, even with the weeds there. So let them grow together till the harvest is in order. And at that time, the harvesters will separate the wheat and the weeds. The wheat goes into the the barns. Well, the weeds are tied into bundles and burns. So Je- it burned. Jesus is using a non-typical approach. We said Jesus is a master storyteller, often uses surprising twists to speak the message that he has for us. And listeners hearing the story, I'm sure their minds were churning about, what, is he, what does this mean? Why is Jesus using this sort of approach? But in it, he's teaching us this important kingdom context concept. The whole picture of the harvest With the weeds being being bundled and burned while the wheat is being stored, it strikes us that God wants it to be clear of the kingdom. Why would you rather? What would you rather do? Would you rather be residing in the barns as wheat or be the weeds that are burned? There's a little guy out pulling the weeds. Weeds cause a lot of problems and difficulty. But here, Jesus. In the story of the farmer says, let them grow together until the harvest. And Jesus doesn't want us to miss the crucial nature of what, he's, of what this means. In order that we learn and understand, that we live in light of his truth, Jesus devised these stories to drive home the point for us, more than to say it specifically, so that the images and the stories can really sink in our minds and our hearts. And as some think that this is just so common and silly, but what we find here going on in verse 36 and following, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was getting at, so they asked him specifically, what does he mean? As Jesus tells the story, the disciples wanted to know the explanation. And so that's what we see in the second part of this, waiting with the weeds in verses 36 and following. Verse 36, when he left the crowd and went into the house, the disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields. In other words, they're saying, okay, Jesus, we don't get it. Explain it to us. What does this mean? What is this waiting with the weeds, so to speak? Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the fields they wanted to know. And in it, Jesus lays out for us what each group represents and what the meaning is. And it's quite interesting on on several levels, we might say, but Jesus wanted to make sure that his disciples, that the people who Matthew wrote to, as well as us, are clear about what he's talking about. So there's no uncertainty as to the meaning of this parable and who the people are. The parable is about the kingdom of God. And who are the the players? The sower is the son of man, Jesus' favorite self-descriptive term the son of man. So in other words, that's Jesus, the sower, the one who plants the good seeds. The field is the world, the world of our lives, our existence, where we live. Good seed is the people of the kingdom, those who are follow after Jesus. That's the good seed. The weeds are people of the evil one, those who reject Jesus, who live following their own way, whether it's both institutionally or individually. They're that which is opposed to to Jesus Christ. The enemy is the devil, the deceiver, the enemy of our souls. And the harvest, that common turn for the end of the age, a standard metaphor for the day of judgment when God will return to judge all, all work and all people. So here, Jesus has identified the participants. And now he outlines in a, we could say a dramatic arc of the parable storyline. As the weeds are pulled up and burned, so it will be at the end of the age. Look at what he says. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. What we have is Jesus is starting to paint a picture of what's taking place here. He's, taking a, he's saying who the players are, and then he's giving us a little glimpse of the end, that there will be judgment at the end for the weeds, while there will be ward for the wheat, for the followers of Christ. He says, at the end, everything will weed out of his kingdom that causes sin and all who do evil. The the weeds are thrown into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Judgment for those who aren't followers of Christ, who don't obey him, who don't respond in faith. While the righteous will shine like sun in the kingdom of God. This holds a couple important points for us. This parable is about a couple things, as we said. It's about judgment. Jesus will come to judge the world. Jesus wants all to receive him, to all follow him. But some reject him and live to themselves, and they will face the judgment of God, both individually and corporately, institutional things. All that will be destroyed, which is opposed to God. But also, praise God, it's not just about judgment, it's also about grace. Jesus is coming for his followers. These are important concepts for us to realize as he makes his point of this parable trying to get at the heart of what's taking place. That grace, Jesus has come to do his saving work. For all who look to him by faith, who trust him, who follow him, he will save us, he will redeem us. And this is not for just this world, but for his eternal kingdom. But concurrent with grace is the work of the evil one, and judgment will come to those who reject. Because sin has entered into our world And there's that rebellion from God. And as Jesus has entered the world to reconcile the world, all who receive that message are saved, but those who reject it will face judgment. But at the same time, what do we find? Jesus and Satan are both at work in our world. This is a crucial point for uh, them and us to understand. Because think of it in the first generation of of followers of Jesus. They received Jesus. They think, oh, his kingdom has come. If God's kingdom is here, then evil will be gone away with. But what Jesus has given us again, as we said, that now and not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has started, it's here. God's at work. But there's still a not yet. The kingdom has been inaugurated, but it hasn't been finished or consummated. That still is future. And in the in between time where we live for the coming of the kingdom, Jesus entering the world once, and when he returns, in this in between time, We have both Jesus at work through the Spirit and we have Satan at work trying to deceive people and draw people away. Both of these things are taking place. And this is important for the first generation to understand this because they have no concept of this. As it is important for us to continue to understand. Evil will continue in this world in which we live until Jesus returns. And it's important for us to grasp that because when we see school shootings, when we see institutional evil, when we see people acting horribly, when these terrible things come on, when we see Putin and what he's doing in Ukraine, when we, when we see young men playing and shooting up schools, people who abuse women and children, drunk drivers and, and more, all this while the kingdom has already begun. What's going on? Jesus is telling us, the understanding of the work, that we live waiting with the weeds. That as followers of Jesus Christ, we live in this world in the in-between, Jesus' beginning and his, his end, between the inauguration and consummation of the kingdom. In this in-between time, Jesus at work, praise God, but Satan is still at work as well. And there's a spiritual battle that we live in the midst of. And for us, we need to realize that we live waiting in the weeds. So when something happens, it isn't we don't say, well, I don't know, God must be absent. No, God is telling us he's at work in the world, but you know, these terrible things are happening. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. That's where we live. And so we need to be people who live waiting on God. That doesn't mean inactivity, but it means that we trust in God until Jesus Returns until he finishes up. So we live in this in-between time where good and evil both exist. That's what the wheat, the good, the weeds, the evil. That's part of the world we live in. So as the psalmist said, "Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord." We live waiting for the Lord's coming, His return, where judgment and salvation will be completed and done. We live actively in faith, of the Lord but we wait for the Lord. We don't take that into our own hands. So we live waiting with the weeds in this world. We oppose evil, absolutely. But remember, it's the government's role, as in Romans 13, tell us to restrain evil. It's not our individual work to, to judge or restrain evil. And we see the church in history, when it's tried to do that, how it's failed, whether it's the Crusades or John Calvin's approach to burning heretics. Evil will not be wiped out until Jesus returns. Evil's to be strained by the authorities that God has given us. But we live in this in-between time, so we are, must live faithfully, waiting for Christ, active in serving Him. So we live in this way, waiting with the weeds. But we are a people harvesting hope, sowing seed, waiting with the weeds. But we live in hope. We can harvest hope because what does the the, the say in verse 43 of this parable, then the righteous, who are the righteous? The righteous are the good seed, the followers of Jesus Christ, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. As Jesus has explained where we live in this in-between time, where Satan and the Lord, both at work in the world, good and evil, both exist for this time, we are to be people who still live and are filled with hope because of what Christ has done. So we can live with this idea of harvesting hope. The righteous comes by faith in Christ as we receive that righteous in our life. It frees us from the control of sin and evil. And so we're free to live in righteousness, waiting for God's final judgment and work. Jesus' words really do diagnose our heart because they help us see where is our hope. Where do we find encouragement for our souls? Where are we strengthened? Our hope is not in humanity. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in what God has done for us. We live in a wonderful country, praise God, but our ultimate hope is not in the United States, in a president, Supreme Court, journalism, military. It's not in our money or even the freedoms we have. We're thankful for the good things, but our ultimate hope is not in education or our jobs. It's in the Lord God who is the king of the universe. That's where we put our hope. That's where the one who is alone has overcome the world. And so we, our people, are hopeful even as we live in this time. We see trouble, trial, difficulty, and struggle. Our hope alone ultimately is in the work of Christ eternally for all who believe. And when you see this, the troubles, when we hear another report of a mass shooting, where does our hope reside? amidst the delay of judgment and the evil we encounter on a daily basis, we must be aware that judgment will come, that all who perpetrate evil and do wrong will one day face judgment. This will happen, but it will happen in God's timing. It's not in our timing. It's in what God says he will bring it about. This helps us understand, though, we have one or two positions to take. We're either the good seed the wheat who reside in his barns, in his kingdom eternally, or weeds that will be burned. There is no third position. We live in a culture which rejects judgment on so many levels in a variety of ways, on many different things. We are people whose hope is in the future promise of eternal grace in Christ. That's our hope. But we live in the midst of this society and culture which doesn't believe in judgment. Think about this long running advertisement campaign, which I'm gonna guess a lot of you have seen, where it says, What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. With the whole idea, you can go to Vegas and do all kinds of stuff, and you know what? It stays there. It doesn't follow you around. You know what that is? That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a, a falsehood of Satan. That somehow I can live in this way which doesn't affect my life. I can do stupid things, it doesn't have an impact. Now, that's a lie. All evil will be judged. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's what this parable is making us, making known. But for those who are lived righteously in Christ, who have been forgiven by him, we can see the salvation of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus speaks of grace and of judgment. Both of these. That's what he says. Look at verse 41 and 42. The Son of Man will send out angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. Everything, in other words, all institutions, corporate entities that are evil will be judged. But also not just larger corporate things, but individuals. Because it says they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes evil and all who do what? All who do evil. So the institutions that are evil will be judged as well as individuals who do evil. And they'll be thrown into the blazing furnace where the weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's judgment, which is real. But praise God, that's not the end. We are those, anyone who has ears, let them hear. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. We see this term used some 15 times in the New Testament. If we have ears, let us listen. In other words, open your heart to God's truth. The God who made the world, who loves you, who cares for you, who's revealing to you truth receive it, let it change and transform your heart so that you live into my kingdom, so that we can be a people of hope because of the one who owns the world, who controls the world and its future. Whoever is ears, let them hear. In other words, be affected by, be transformed through. Let the work of God, through his word, change our hearts, our spirits into what he has for us. It's imperative that we reflect and think about Jesus' teaching. Have a heart open to God's instructions so that we can be transformed, changed, and shaped by his truth. If we hear the word of God, if we hear these stories and go, eh, whatever, that's not a heart that's open to what God has for you. We need to reflect and consider how Jesus' teaching can guide our lives. How we can be wheat in this world that has weeds. Jesus knows the difference, even if we might have a more difficult time telling them apart. But at the harvest, at the day of judgment, the wheat will be separated from the weeds. And where do we find our hope? How is our waiting? The kingdom concept, we are to live righteous lives, waiting for his kingdom. In other words, we live as followers of Christ in the midst of evil, trying to push the evil back by doing righteous things and helping, living by faith. But we must wait for God's eternal judgment as we live this way. We continue on in righteous living, but we wait for God's final judgment. Are we living that way? Are we trusting in him while this evil is around us in this world we live? A few years ago, I read a story of a woman who I think really captured this so well. She was May, a young woman from Vietnam, and she Got to a refugee camp. Her family was trying to help her immigrate to the United States. And she got to a refugee camp for five years. And during that time, she met Jesus Christ and became a follower of, of his. And she, as she grew in Christ, she said, Lord Jesus, use me. Use me in whatever you have for me. What well, came for the time, she received permission to come to the United States. But at that time, she felt the Holy Spirit telling her, I want you to go back to Vietnam and be a witness for me. All that she had gone through, all her family put her, put her up to to get her to the United States, but God was calling her to go back. And so instead of taking that privilege to come to the United States, she went back to Vietnam to share Jesus Christ with others in her family, in her community, and in the country. She was, she's been arrested some 10 times by the government. Yet God used her to bring the good news of life and Jesus to many. She was jailed, she was watched, she was persecuted, but she lived for Jesus with the weeds. The sons of the evil one around her, but she chose to live righteously for Jesus. What an example for us to follow God, to live righteously, to be that good seed in the midst of the evil around. One day, May will receive a great reward in heaven. She's an example for us of how we live patiently, waiting with the weeds, the evil around us, retaining hope because we know that God has overcome the world. Are you, am I, living faithfully to God's call as we await his kingdom, living with hope in righteousness for Jesus Christ? Praise his name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we love you. And we thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for this parable of wheat and weeds. Lord, we long for a time when, when there will be no weeds, when evil will be done away with. But until that time, may we faithfully trust you, living boldly in your way. Lord, help us to live faithfully, by faith, as wheat in your kingdom till you come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.